G'day everyone, Lauren Cress here. Welcome back to uh, the second episode of Refuel Your Fire. I have been fiddling around with my podcast settings and trying to migrate and then import, re-import my podcast to see if I can change this artwork on Apple. We'll see what happens. Um, weirdly enough, I feel like that's part of the reason I procrastinate with the show at the moment because I'm like, ah, oh, but people don't know what it is but I can see there's quite a few people listening to the episodes regardless so hopefully um it's not causing too much distraction for some reason those things can really bother me um before we get further into this podcast I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country um this podcast is recorded on the beautiful part of the world the beautiful part of Australia uh Gadigal land and I would like to pay my respects to elders past and present, and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today, the land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. And i got to tell you, I'm like super stressed out about the voice at the moment. I'm really stressed out that we're going to see too many people voting no um, and that it's not going to pass, it's not going to get through um, in this referendum that's coming up. I think it's such an important step for reconciliation and it's such a humble request um, from the First Nations people of this country uh, to have the ability to review and advise on policies that affect First Nations people and the First Nations community. Um, There's so much misinformation out there that has been um, propagated by the No campaign And uh, it's really, really sad to see, really, really distressing, um, I think, for so many First Nations people and also for allies as well to see that, um, I mean, it's, you know, it's completely okay to lie about this stuff and say that, um, you know, there's things like people saying that, oh, this means that there'll be different laws for First Nations people. Um, This means that, uh, you know, we're creating a quota uh, for First Nations people in Parliament. Um, no, it doesn't mean any of those things. And if you're kind of not sure about what a yes vote means, um, I really encourage you to check out the Yes 23 campaign um, to find out what's actually going on. There's also a referendum booklet that was sent out um, to voters where you can actually get the real information because it is completely legal for politicians to lie about what this actually means. Um, It's really, really sad to see. I mean, 80% of First Nations people support the yes vote and that in of itself is reason enough for me to vote yes, to be honest. Um, But there are lots of other reasons to vote yes. So please, 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 if you're not sure about what this all means, please get um, useful information, reliable information about this to make an informed decision. That's not what today's podcast is about. It's just really stressing me out and it's top of mind for me at the moment. Um, Some other things that have been going on in my life. I have two brand new baby nieces that have come into the family, which is amazing, um, super exciting, and congratulations to uh, both of my sisters who are already um, kicking ass as new parents and I'm so, so proud of them. Um, that's been keeping me a little bit busy um, in September <laughs> and uh, I've also been just working so much. So I just, 
um, throughout term three of the um, of this school year, uh, I've been going into schools. I've been doing career workshops and career counselling, um, and that alongside my work um, with my clients. Um, they still have some some work that I'm doing in sort of marketing and, and strategy, um, and that then along with I'm also doing swim teaching and finishing this PT course, I've just been, yeah, like really under the pump. And it's so ironic because, you know, I've turned my attention to the burnout space and to be honest, um, I've been, I've actually been a lot better at protecting my time and uh, putting boundaries up and stuff. Um, but I've been very careful with working seven days to make sure that they're not full days, you know, um, a lot of the time they're half days to three quarter days. So I'm, you know, putting in a maximum of say six hours, um, into work a day just to try to give myself a break. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just been interesting to see, <laughs> like, you know, one of the jokes that I make, um, when I present on this topic is I say, all right, um, so, you know, this is what burnout is and um, I've got a really simple answer for how we can prevent burnout and, um, you know, it's sort of like a one-sentence answer, which is just stop taking on too much. Um, that's actually a lot easier said than done. So why do we do that? Um, and sometimes it can be a practical reason. And in those cases, um, when it's coming from a practical, yeah, look, this has just come up and this opportunity is presented itself and I kind of need to take advantage of it um that can be quite different from you know being motivated by fear or shame or um anxiety so yeah we'll we'll be talking about some of those things um in episodes to come and like I said last time um I do have a, a newsletter series that talks about this as well so if you're keen to dig into this more just head over to uh laurencrest.com and you'll see there's a link to my blog on Substack, Substack there um, where you can find out more about that as well. So um, there's some of the things that have been happening. Today we're going to be talking about five ways uh, to refuel your fire. So if you remember from last episode and if you haven't listened to the last episode, I would recommend checking that out first especially the last 10 minutes where I talk about the self-care spectrum which was a spectrum I basically um, created to help people understand that burnout isn't an all or nothing thing right burnout is something that exists along a spectrum you can have full-on burnout or you can be thriving but there's a lot of stuff that happens in between and most of us are somewhere in between those two extremes on that spectrum so um, it's important to recognize where you are when it comes to self-care, when it comes to burnout, um, what sort of habits you're fostering, what sort of habits aren't serving you um, so that you can um, begin to refuel your fire. And refueling your fire, that process was something that I, I put towards the thriving end of the spectrum. But I also think it's something that at any point, regardless of where we are on that spectrum, whether our fire is starving, whether our fire is suffocating, whether we're sort of burning fuel every day so that we've got none left, um, no remaining fuel left to burn at the end of the day. Um, in any of those cases, we can start taking steps today to refuel your fire. Um, so the way I remember it is um, with the acronym GRIT, G-R-I-T-T. -T. Now, I know GRIT was something that was talked about, uh, you know, 
it, it was sort of a trend that came up a while ago. Um, but it's this isn't really saying you have to have grit, but I still think because it's related to these themes that we're talking about, it's a memorable acronym. So um, yeah, let's without further ado, let's let's jump into it. So the first um, letter G is for growth mindset. Now, what does growth mindset mean? I feel like the easiest way to think about growth mindset is it's the opposite to having a fixed mindset, because I think a lot of us are more familiar with what that looks like. So a fixed mindset is when we think what we do and how well we do something is based on our innate capabilities. So, you know, when someone says something like, oh, I just, I'm just not good at maths. That's a fixed mindset. It sort of comes from this belief that look, there's people that are good at maths and there's people that aren't good at maths and I'm one of those people that aren't good at maths and that can't change. That's a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is the opposite. So a growth mindset is like, I'm not good at maths yet, but I can get good at maths. If that's something that I'm working towards and that's something that I want to have, then if I practice and I invest some time in learning this skill, I can develop that skill. Um Growth mindset is something that I observed a lot of entrepreneurs and successful leaders talking about constantly. You've got to have a growth mindset. You've got to have a growth mindset because in those types of jobs that involve a high level of responsibility and a high level of risk, you kind of are guaranteed to fail. You're guaranteed at some point to have something not go the way you think it will go because you're dealing with a very, um, sorry, you're dealing with a lot of uncertainty. When you're in a job where it involves a lot of uncertainty, it doesn't just have to be career. It could be in anything. It could be becoming a new parent, for instance. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of unknowns. When you're dealing with a lot of unknowns, what can happen is that you end up um, sort of, or you can, you can, you know, be become very anxious because you're like at any point in time I could fail. Or you kind of embrace the process and you go, of course I'm going to fail. I'm brand new to this. Of course I'm going to get things wrong. And that will be a good opportunity for me to learn more about this. So that's, you know, that's a sort of growth mindset in a nutshell. The other thing that I think is useful to think about with growth mindset is how we uh, think about our identity. So in a growth mindset, we think about ourselves as um, we love who we are now. We don't see ourselves as flawed. I mean, of course, we're, we're all flawed, but it's not about, oh, who I am now is not good enough. And until I get to where I need to be or I want to be, I'm still not going to be good enough. A growth mindset, and I think this is a really important aspect of it that gets talked about less, is that I love who I am right now with all the things that I do wrong, with all the things that don't go my way, with all the problems I face, with all the challenges that I can't resolve, with all the things I didn't do today, yesterday, this week, last this this year, right? I love who I am right now. And I'm also really excited about where I can get to. I'm really excited about my potential. I'm really excited about the things that are to come in my life. But I'm not there yet. And that's totally, totally fine because I love to grow. 
And growth, and again, this is something that we're going to be exploring more. Growth is a core need of our inner child. We'll be talking about what what an inner child is, essentially. (laughs) Probably, I would say, in the next episode, actually. I'm going to make a note of that now. We'll talk about the inner child more in our next episode. Um, In the meantime, if you want to obviously go and read up more about that, please do. Um, I'm going to try to have some structure. (laughs) some structure to these episodes so growth is a core need it's a core need for a nurtured inner child Uh, it's a core need for us feeling uh, like we're good enough that we're valuable intrinsically and that um, and it gives us a sense of greater uh, self-esteem and purpose and the ability to thrive so growth if we don't have the prospect of growth that's actually, that, that's that's a problem, right? Because it is something that, that we need as humans. It's a, it's a core universal human need to grow. So by having this, you know, this was something that I used to struggle with when I was younger. I was kind of like, oh, if I could just get to there and I could just get to there then, and this did cause a lot of burnout for me. If I could just get to this next um project being finished if I could just get to this next exam being finished if I could just get to you know the end of the year I could just get to the end of school if I could just get to the end of university constantly thinking like that where I should have finished the thought but once I get there then I'll be happy um is you know anyone who's experienced that knows it doesn't work like that right and I think it it comes a lot with if you're someone who is a high achiever or an overachiever where you feel like your self-worth is tied to achievement um we can really fall into that trap quite quickly so a growth mindset means we're not we're, we're actually enjoying the process we're enjoying the present we're excited about the prospect to grow and we'll always be doing new things it's sort of like you know if you think about you have a really great book and you want to finish the book but once you finish the book you finish the book <laughs> and it's like kind of sad as well right um that's something that you know we need to be aware of that is sort of the beauty of a growth mindset is you never get to you never finish the book but you're always enjoying reading the book you know um and it's so so key for us not placing too much pressure on ourselves it's so so key for us not falling into the trap of perfectionism where we're constantly looking back and thinking, oh, I haven't done enough, I haven't done enough, I haven't done enough. So growth mindset is the first way to refuel your fire. That in and of itself, if we just did that, already hugely, hugely advantageous. But I want to share with you another four key ingredients. I think if you can do all of them um, or if we have all of them, we'll really start to see Um, Well, we do really start to see people thriving. So the second one is restorative fuel. Now, restorative fuel is different for different people and it can go across various aspects of our life. So an example would be emotional fuel, having fuel for our emotional well-being. That might be things like connecting with other people. It might be things like writing in a diary. It might be things like podcasting. Emotional fuel comes in lots of different um, forms, but 
it's still important for all of us. How we get that will depend on who we are. And part of what I feel like is exciting about thinking about it this way is it's also about self-discovery. What works for me? So for instance, for me, I get a lot of emotional fuel from being around people in the day, from connecting with people that I don't even necessarily know, from teaching. Um, So with doing like swim teaching, for instance, I find that really helps me feel connected with the world around me with people around me. Um, Another example is physical fuel. So being able to actually give your body what it needs. And that comes in different forms. And we will be talking about this more, like I've said, um, like I said in my last podcast, I'm sort of just coming to, I've still got a little bit left of my PT course, um, but very, very, very close. I have to be finished by the end of this month. So um, yeah, I've just been like sort of plugging away at that quite heavily at the moment. Physical fuel can be things, for instance, like as simple as breath work, taking the time to breathe when we might feel a little bit anxious, a little bit worried, or even, you know, catastrophizing um, in a situation that's highly involves a high level of conflict or stress. Uh, it can also be things like the nutrients we eat, getting enough hydration, Um, making sure that we're eating a balanced diet with um, the different macronutrients and micronutrients that we need. So, and and of course, exercise as well. So again, different needs for different people and also for different goals. For instance, for me, like I have strength goals. So I want to be able to do certain things with my body. I want to be able to be strong enough to do certain things with my body. Um, And it's really an important part of my life. And I have boundaries set up around that to protect that. And that's another important aspect of restorative fuel is that you have the boundaries in place to protect these things that are key to your self-care and well-being. Another one could be spiritual fuel. Um, So, and that can look different for different people. Whether, I believe, whether you're an atheist and agnostic or you are um, religious or in some other way spiritual, I think we all have uh, spiritual needs, you know. So for me, I'm an atheist. Um, I don't believe in any sort of greater being, Um, but I still feel extremely spiritual. Whenever I go into nature, um, I feel connected with a sense of something greater than myself. I love learning about different um, belief systems and I like seeing some of the common things that come out of those belief systems as well. And some things are inexplicable and I kind of like that mystery, you know. One of the things that I loved about studying science is realising how much we still don't know and there's so many things that we'll never know. Um, So there's lots of different aspects of this restorative fuel. And um, I've put an example of about six or so on, um, I think it was one of my first articles that I published in the Refuel Your Fire newsletter. Um, So if you want to check that out, again, like I said, go to laurencrest.com and you can take a look at that image and kind of what I've placed around there to dig into that a little bit more. The next letter is I for inspired habits. Now, I kind of think of inspired habits as the things that you see and you go, I just, I really love that, right? So there's two aspects to inspired habits. There's the thinking aspect and there's the doing aspect. The thinking aspect is about taking the time to actually think about what sort of things are serving me and what sort of things aren't. And 
the first time we do this, I mean, you know, you could think of this as doing it like uh, doing a bit of an, a life audit. It's going to be pretty rough. It's not going to necessarily be the fine tuning detail. We we can. This is a ever evolving thing, right? But there could be some basic things like thinking about, you know, okay, let's say you um, have uh, you drink quite a bit of alcohol to relax at the end of the evening. You might be like, is this serving me or is this not serving me? How do I feel if I've had too much to drink? How does that affect my life? Um, what do I see from people who are thriving? What do they do? Um, so inspired habits comes from first thinking and then doing. So let's say you decide, okay, like right now I don't think drinking at the end of the day is is serving a great purpose for me. It's something that I want to cut back on. Um, or something that I want to eliminate completely for a period of time. Say you do something like, you know, we have dry July or something like that. So you go, okay, for the next month I'm not going to drink and then after that I'm going to try really try to moderate this. Um, the habit then is the doing, right? We're actually starting to build a habit each day. We're trying to eliminate alcohol or find substitutes or make sure we find new ways of dealing with the end of the day to rewind and relax. For instance, maybe having herbal tea or something like that. Um, I'm going to drink herbal tea when I feel like having a vodka lime soda. So the sometimes I think what can happen is we can either end up doing too much or too little thinking or too much or too little doing. In the case of the too much, too little thinking, um, it could be things like if we overthink, 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 we can end up procrastinating. Um, so it's kind of like, uh, I don't know, like, is that what it is or is it something else? Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. We can over, over, uh, complicate it too much and end up not doing anything. If we, um, underthink it, it's sort of like we can end up in the same patterns because we're not thinking about what's actually causing the problem. What's at the root of the problem? And the same with overdoing and underdoing. If we overdo it, we're probably going to end up burnt out. Okay, I'm going to go on this, um, let's say you want to go on this like complete detox, you know, thing because there's a new fad about whatever detox fad, there's always a detox fad around. I'm going to do this complete detox. I'm going to, you know, drink enough water. I'm going to get to the gym. I want to start doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I'm going to um, eat good food. I'm going to take a bunch of different supplements, you know, etc 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 it might just be not saying that that doesn't work for some people like if that's your jam that's your jam but if you try to do too much and you're trying to keep up with every all the other demands that are already placed on you and say you're finding that stressful you're probably going to overdo it so sometimes taking you know small steps like you know you can read about it in a book like atomic habits and in tiny habits um I don't know the author of Tiny Habits because I haven't read about it, but I, I know in that book as well they talk about a similar thing. So small steps for big change rather than trying to do everything all at once or big ginormous steps that maybe aren't feasible, um, you know, especially if you're already feeling overwhelmed, <laughs> you know. One thing that we learn um, in PT is like as a PT is, when you get someone new coming in, often you have people who are highly motivated when, they, when they've actually sat down with you um, as a new coach and they're going, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. Um, it can be a little bit overwhelming if you start trying to introduce a new exercise program and also talk about things like nutrition and sleep and et cetera, et cetera. So what um, I was taught is first focus on the physical, like the the, the training, sorry, um, and then 
a couple of weeks in, once they're starting to feel like they've made that adjustment, then you can bring in nutrition. What you might do in the meantime is you might say, look, just track what you're eating. Don't change anything yet. And then in a couple of weeks time, we'll talk about the things that you can start to change. And then you have a good basis for getting an idea of what that person's actually eating as well. Get an idea of what they're eating. A lot of the time, it's actually that people can not be eating enough um, rather than eating too much. They're just not eating enough of the right types of foods. So um, that's what you look at as well as like, okay, how do we introduce healthy foods before we start trying to get them to take away bad foods? Um, so really, really important to, you know, make sure that we're, we're building habits that are going to actually be sustainable um, in the long term. Okay, so we've done three so far. We've got two more to go. The fourth one is um, targeted development. So it kind of links up with the inspired habits, but I think about targeted development like if you were doing a SWOT analysis on yourself. So a SWOT analysis is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You can look this up online. I also did a video on this a while ago. Um, But basically what you're doing is you're sort of brainstorming, okay, what are all my strengths? What are all my weaknesses? And then based on these things, where are the opportunities and where are the threats? So, for instance, we might think, okay, um, my strengths are that I am good with kids. My strengths are that I am good with um the work that I currently do, I'm good at communicating, et cetera, et cetera. Um, weaknesses could be something else. Like um, I find it very difficult to, and I'm just making things up the way, um, to cook healthily. I find it hard to keep myself in shape or, you know, I'm just thinking because we've been talking about health, that's, that's the thing that's popped into my head. So then from there, what are the opportunities? Ah, oh, okay, well, actually I need to get some external help with, getting in shape or I need to join the gym or, um, you know, etc. What are my threats? Okay. I have a lot of pressure on my time. If I add more things to my day, how am I going to cope with that? Is what's going to, you know, something's got to give, how am I going to, you know, deal with that? So thinking through that almost the same way that we think through a business strategy, I think is hugely advantageous. Um, but also especially those opportunities that it creates for us, Um, whilst thinking about maintaining or trying to build a work-life balance um, that is sustainable is a really good way to think about development, self-development. Again, because we can end up sort of overwhelming ourselves or not doing anything, feeling like we're kind of stuck in a rut and there's just way too much to do. And so we we kind of end up staying in the same spot still. Um, And then the final thing is having a trustworthy tribe of people around you. Um, I can't stress enough how important this is. You know, if we're trying to think like this and we're surrounded by people who undermine us, who um, poke at us for wanting to improve ourselves or who, you know, don't validate our feelings, who um, are toxic in our lives, you know, that can really be, you could have everything else going right, um, but to be surrounded by people who are who are sort of um, breaking you down rather than trying to build you up can just have such a detrimental impact on our mental health as well as our physical and our emotional health as well. So um, taking the time to really build those relationships, genuine relationships with people who are going to support and inspire you 
um, I think is really, really important. And, you know, there's a lot of tools out there now to help us identify, you know, when someone could be quite um, toxic or bad for us. You know, there's a simple sort of saying of like hurt people hurt people. And, you know, if you're surrounded by people who are hurt, it's not necessarily going to do you any favours. I think one of the traps that we can fall into is sort of like the drama triangle. So, you know, where we might feel sorry for someone, we can see they're, you know, in a bad way, we can see that they're hurting. Um, And then we might sort of try to step in and rescue them. And um, that's that's actually a really toxic dynamic as well, encouraging people to get the qualified help that they need for that particular situation, I believe is the best thing we can do you know, um, trying to sit there and and um, help even if we have the best of intentions. If we don't have those particular skills, if that's not our area of expertise, um, we can end up doing more harm than good to them and to ourselves. A really, really useful resource I recommend checking out if you are um, trying to figure out this sort of stuff around whether you've got people in your life who are helping or hindering you is um, psych to go Uh, on YouTube. It's like a really beautiful channel. There's just sort of simple animations on lots of different types of psychological aspects, but a lot of them have to do with the way that people interact with one another. Um, So I recommend checking that out. I also a long time ago now did a video on the drama triangle. If you just search on Google the drama triangle, it should be the first video that pops up um, or otherwise you can use my name. Um, And it's, look, it's, it is a bit um, of it's it's like a five minute video, so it's sort of the simplest, you know, explanation I you know could give at the time of the drama triangle. There has been a lot more work done in that area since then, um, and even when I when I did it, it was just sort of a basic starting um, block. So if you're interested in understanding more about that, you can look at um, transactional analysis. Um, to sort of understand more about that way of humans interacting with one another. Um, I guess probably we also need to talk about when we talk about trustworthy tribe is having people around you at all. So um, there are a lot of people who are really like isolated in our communities and as a result uh, it can be hugely problematic because you're sort of like looking for any type of relationship that you can have. You know, you can end up sort of being almost a little bit desperate. So it's really important to um, also look at if you're feeling lonely, what are the sort of things that you can do in order to build um, healthy relationships? So one thing that I would say is like look at going back to what you value, what you're trying to achieve. Have a look at where you can find like-minded communities. For instance, if it's something like, I know I keep going back to physical health, but I just think physical health, you know, I've done years of um, counselling, like I've been uh, done like years of therapy as in being therapized <laughs> for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I don't currently see a therapist, but I did for um, over five years. And that was hugely useful. But I also have to say the the physical stuff is, I think, where it really it's such an important pillar and it really can be such a good starting gate for a lot of people um, is to just get physically healthy. So that could be something like you go to the gym, you, you have a personal trainer, you start to meet people in the gym, maybe you go to some group classes um, or if you're doing something like yoga, you know, hanging around people who actually are um, 
wanting to also be fit and healthy can help you then be fit and healthy. I mean, it's it's kind of like a no-brainer, right? Um, you want to, if you want to be, uh, you know, change your life, you kind of want to surround yourself with people who are also on that same journey. That's going to encourage you. So um, there are lots of ways to connect um, with other people and it can feel a little bit overwhelming to start with. So if you're kind of like really feeling quite isolated and vulnerable, um, you know, I, I would say like go and get some f- of the free help that's available out there. So um, Lifeline can be a great place to start. And as I said on my last episode, um, you can text Lifeline. Um, also, if you work in a um, in an office, you know, there's usually um, – employee assistant programs that you can join to start getting help. There's online tools um, that you can use to get help. And actually um, on one of my um, newsletter posts that I did recently, I also went through a bunch of different tools you can use to support you um, psychologically. But isolation is something that is almost built into the fabric of the urban existence that we have. You know, it's it's not something to feel ashamed about. It's it's actually the way that our lives are kind of being um, architectured now. You know, the way that um, places and towns are built. Um, Australia is very sprawling. A lot of places are very sprawling, um, and so it is. It's it's not through our own fault that we're isolated, but it doesn't mean that we're out of you know, necessarily. But it's not. That, that means that it's out of our control to change. There's lots of things that we can do. So do reach out, um, you know, a simple Google search will usually help you find community activities that are available in your area. Another really great tool actually is Meetup. Um, so when I moved to Townsville and I didn't really know many people in Townsville, um, I joined a book club in Townsville through Meetups and that was a great way to just feel like I could you know, reconnect with people who had a shared interest in books. Um, so it could really be as simple as that. Obviously, there's also online communities that you can join as well, but I'm always a little bit hesitant about this because I just feel like with online communities, it doesn't give you the same sense of um, satisfaction of actually having face-to-face contact. Zoom calls, yes, maybe, like support groups online could be good. Um, I've done that before. But, uh, yeah, the I think if it's just sort of like you're chatting to someone um, and you're typing, um, that can be very limited. It could be a good starting place, um, but I think also it can – I've seen people go down some really scary rabbit holes as a result of, um, you know, joining sort of certain forums and they become very radic- radicalised, say, for instance, with like men's rights groups and things like that. So, And that can be really sad because they actually end up more isolated because they're very – um, bitter and, um, angry at the world. And they've got a lot of blame for, in this case, let's say women, um, for how, where they're, where they're at in their lives, um, and what's happened to them. And instead of processing that, they're staying in sort of this cycle of anger, um, instead of processing that grief that they have maybe from a a past relationship or something like that. So yeah, I'm always a little bit hesitant with the online community, stuff because I just think uh, it can also be really toxic and that goes back to that point around recognizing toxic relationships and things that aren't serving you how do you feel I mean that's a big part of it and processing feelings will definitely be something that we talk about more in this series Um, but for now that's the five 
sort of key ingredients that I observed from interviewing lots of leaders, also things that just come from like psychological principles that we understand about ways to thrive and also to tackle burnout as well. They sort of go hand in hand. So just to recap, we had growth mindset, restorative fuel, inspired habits, targeted development, and a trustworthy tribe. So in my next episode, like I said, we'll be talking more about the inner child. We'll look at both the wounded inner child and also how to become, how to nurture your own inner child. And like I said, one of those core needs are growth, but there's also several other ones. So we'll talk about that more next time. In the meantime, wishing you lots of health and happiness. And like I said, if you are in Australia and you're, um, you know, we've got the referendum coming up, please, 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 just if you're on the fence or you're swaying towards no because of things that you've heard, please look at the actual um, Uluru statement. Please look at um, the referendum booklet, see what this is actually about um, because it's such a great, great opportunity for us to, um, you know, move forward and walk with First Nations people in this country and support something that is a very humble request and something that, you know, in, in my opinion, it, like it's crazy that it's taken us this long to even get get here. Um, but, yeah, I'll talk to you next time. Hopefully it won't be like three months down the track this time. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs>